but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> Who the heck are you guys? You guys are, I, I feel like I knew you guys a long time ago, all right? But it's, uh, it's, it's been six weeks since we recorded an episode. We recorded an episode six weeks ago. Uh, I wonder if we still have any listeners at all. Well, I guess we're about to find out. I guess we're about to find out. David, would, you are still there, right? Would, 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 would any of our listeners hold up their hands, please? Yes, really. Oh, yeah. Uh, sh- see, one over there. Show and- of hands, please. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, it's been a crazy month of October for all of us uh, with uh, work travel. And uh, and it was one of those deals where, uh, where we just couldn't find a day that uh, was going to work. And now we're on a very non-standard day for us, very late in the month. And I hate to say this, but it looks like November may be the same problem. But we'll we'll cross that bridge in a, in a little while. Anyways, what's on the list, Jeb? <laughs> um, this link, this Twitter link. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my yeah. god! Oh my I god! Caram- I caramba! I know. Have I you ever had? That's just you know. So uh, so, folks, is a it's a Twitter uh, uh, Twitter um, link to a YouTube video, um, looking out the front windscreen of an aircraft, which we later discover is an airliner of some sort. Um, and I stared at this at first. When I first came across this, I stared at it, thinking that I was seeing like the contrail of a rocket or something like that. Right? Because it kind of has that look, right? Well, With this, yeah. When it opened, I thought I was looking at a. a rocket launcher exactly all right you know and so it looks like this but a rocket launch that's not going well all right because it jiggles a little bit and it's got you can see fire for you can see you know fire sparks um and uh and then you watch it a little bit more and then it kind of you know lightning bolt or uh, what's the word but it basically uh, forks out to multiple streams and i'm thinking oh the rocket exploded anyways what it really turns out to be is a crack forming in the windscreen of this aircraft and uh, holy moly, I mean, yikes. Uh, and that's why I put yikes. It, it, the problem we have with understanding this is that it's all in Spanish language. So uh, we have a hard time reading it. Here's this new thing. It's called Google Translate. Yeah. Well, not only, and Google Translate's built into Twitter, too. So there, every, you know, for example, usually there's a translate this tweet um, that's part yeah, there's of that, too. Um, it made, made me curious what the source of the sparking is. Was that a discharge of static electricity? No, according to the pe- translations I've read, it has to do with the um, windshield de-icing heater elements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and sure. but man, I'm, you know, I mean, you're sitting there, and, and they're at some sort of altitude because they're above the clouds. You can see in the distance they're above the clouds. And suddenly you see a crack forming in the windshield. And, you know, I mean, I, my thought would be, holy crap, this windshield's going to smash in on my face any moment now. And if the glass doesn't kill me, the wind blast will. Um, if you read the Twitter, and I kind of read some of them. I read there were a couple um, down below from, um, you know, people who are somewhat knowledgeable about the whole thing. And then the original poster, um, who calls himself Captain Griander, which I'm not sure if that's the person... It appears to be the person who took the video, but, um, and, uh, um, nobody got all that excited about this. Um, so there, if you go if you scroll down the original tweet stream here, you'll see some screen grabs what, from what appear to be the emergency checklists of this aircraft. Um, and, and basically what it says is that if the crack is on the 
on the cockpit side. If no crack, if it's not on the cockpit side, it says if if there's no crack on the cockpit side, then there's no limitations. He said the, it says here the inner ply is not affected. Therefore, the window windscreen it, it windshield is still able to sustain the differential pressure up to the maximum flight levels. Which that alone kind of surprises me. All right, you can have half of the or you can have some portion of the plies of this window cracked, and it's still got all of its um, you know oomph, but. Uh, but the next item on the checklist says if the crack, cracks are on the cockpit side, it says crude oxygen masks, maximum flight level, and it goes on and on. Danger, uh, Will Robinson. Yeah, 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 really. Yeah. Um, and so from, and I didn't try and read every single tweet in the stream, um, but the, the sense I got from the ones I read, which is to say translated, um, is that uh, is that th- this was the less emergency case. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, the funny thing is that I didn't see anything here that talked about the result of this flight, you know. Um, well, apparently the, the at least the left-seater survived to get within cell phone range. Um, <laughs> or his phone survived. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah no, nowhere does it say, no, nor did apparently does anybody ask the uh, type of aircraft. Uh, really, that's interesting. Yeah, what does this, you know, is there anything in the... I don't see. I, I I haven't scanned every tweet in this in right. this thread. I was just expanding the images, the screen grabs that yeah, are the checklist, um, and it doesn't jump out at me here. But uh, yeah, my question then becomes: um, Have you ever been flying and have this sort of a scary moment with some crucial system that might be about to fail? Has this ever happened to you? I mean, may or may not be a windshield, but uh, you know. I mean, there's the infamous case where your passenger opened the uh, the the window. Yeah, I opened the storm window at thirteen thousand feet over New, <laughs> no, uh, New Mexico. There is that. Yeah. yeah. Gee, um, I can't imagine how that would ever happen. Yeah, <laughs> it just sounds so odd. You know, <laughs> something like that would happen. But um, hey, you know, we got to get the if you're going to get a good picture, you got to get it not through the glare of the windshield. I uh, I was flying the other day and I had a GoPro camera set up stuck to the inside of the the uh, windshield. And uh, and I got some interesting pictures, but I also got the 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 front of the glare shield is the, the top up at the base of the windshield is is kind of a light color, and so there was a big glare. And I was going, well, that sucks. What am I going to do about that in the future? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, your passenger needed to get a good shot, so you open the window, boom, or whoosh. Well, watching yeah. this, it, it struck me that the uh, that the uh, captain didn't follow one of the emergency procedures on that side and, and, and turn off the de-ice. Otherwise, there would have been no power, no power to those strands that are causing uh, that arcing. Uh, I guess. I got a, I don't know. I mean, I, my assumption would be that they did follow it and that maybe the, the, the flaw was, you know, lower level than that, and so it, it didn't depower it or something like that. But, yeah, uh, and I think those windshields are three, la- three layers. I, I don't know. Obviously, more uh, than one. And uh, Oh, but, absolutely more than one. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, our car windshields are more than one. So a little bit down the stream, down the, uh, the, 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 the thread here, um, there's a post from a, just a post, a, 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 you know, a Twitter person who writes, according to the Google translation, um, he writes, I sense that windshield has an internal thermal circuit to prevent the formation of ice and fog and has had a short circuit. Am I wrong? Captain question mark 
and the original poster, Captain Griander, I hope I'm pronouncing that any something like close, um, uh, responded with an animated GIF where he basically just said, "I'm really proud of you." So I'm taking that. As a, <laughs> I'm taking that as a as a yes. Let's see if that's the entire. Well, one one thing we we can be certain about they 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 got on the ground intact, or we would have heard about the crash. You'd think, yeah, um, or the inc- the accident, incident, emergency, whatever. I mean, if that windshield had popped out, that'd have been a bad bad thing. I would imagine. I don't know. Um, well, that, nobody would hear you scream because your eardrums would go pop yeah if that popped out and you went to instant depressurization (laughs) there's a moment in this video where the crack goes from a single line crack to uh, this spiderwebby kind of thing and you go holy crap because it's not like gradual all of a sudden it goes poof it's almost as if it's breaking but yeah nuts um dump the cabin dump the cabin yeah right I you know and they don't see I would have thought well I guess they're following the checklists and the checklist they, I so I when I was first looking at it before I saw this checklist I thought isn't the first thing you're going to do in this situation is start to descend I mean the very first thing you want to do is get lower um, but and and from the looks of the clouds and maybe this is an optical illusion but from the looks of the cloud tops out the windshield they're not trying to descend certainly not in a dramatic fashion. Um, so I guess it went okay. Uh, no, no telling what was below them. Not only are they not trying to descend or or do other things on the checklist, the captain is taking video. <laughs> I know, right? The left seater. <laughs> the left <seater> like. <laughs> so hey, uh, checklist checklist. Uh, yeah, really. You've got the airplane while I whip yeah. out my phone, right? Yeah, and uh, so holy Screw crap, the that's a scary. Man, I want to get crack. this on Twitter. That's a scary looking crack. Uh, so, uh, yeah, David, you have occasion, we have some flying buddies that you fly in the flight levels. Have you seen any, ever had an experience like this, some sort of crazy thing? No. Uh, we, we, I was on a flight with a, on, on a demo flight in a business jet for a magazine article some years ago when we uh, started to experience a problem with the uh, pressurization system. Uh-huh. And it was one of those automatics. You didn't have to dial in the altitude you were going on. It spooled up the pressure automatically. And the problem we were having was that it was wanting to go way over the limit. Oh, going too high, uh, too high pressure, so too, yeah. Yeah. too uh, low altitude, elevation, whatever they call it in the cockpit. Too, and too much pressure differential is yeah. not a happy moment. We, uh, we decided that the, the uh, same thing to do would to scrub that flight and we headed down to 10,000 feet and dumped the pressure and headed back to the airport and by the next morning they had a new outflow valve in it and we were good to go mm-hmm. and we went back and never happened again even even with me. a broken outflow valve though wouldn't the system say okay I've got enough pressure I'm going to stop adding pressure to the cabin well that was part of the failure oh, okay uh, that was part of the failure. Uh, so the two items in the in the pressurization system failed at the same time. Well, I suppose maybe one of them didn't fail for a while. I, I think it notice. was basically the controller that was failing, but yeah. they replaced the outflow valve and the controller. Ah, okay. Uh, I see. Yeah. Uh, at least that's what they showed me. Uh, yeah. And it, uh, I have to admit, it was kind of hard on the ears there for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I, sure, I can imagine it would be. Holy moly, yeah. Um and that's assuming your ears are in good condition. Uh, a couple times I've had occasion to fly airlines when I had a head cold kind of thing, a sinus kind of thing. And, oh, yeah. Uh, 
that can hurt. Big can time. Hurt. But uh, now the closest I ever come to something like that was uh, Thursday. Apparently, it was the FO's leg, and um, he really pranged one on. But uh, other than that. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Say that again. That's <laughs> one of those jokes I'm going to get or be horrified no, when I listen I, in post. I don't know. <laughs> no, never mind. Never Thursday mind. was the FO's leg. Thurs, Thursday apparently was the FO's leg. Yeah, I get it now. Okay. On, on my flight to Charlotte. But, uh, <laughs> ah, okay. Why, why, what happened on Thursday? Was it rough? Was it? Uh, it, it was. It clearly wasn't an automated, fully automated flight. Let's put it that way. See, this is at, at cruise or, or takeoff or land, folks. Yes, yes. yeah. We'll, we'll, become a, we'll talk about this later. But uh, so Jeb just had occasion to uh, to uh, to uh, 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 put himself 20, into the twenty twenty four C or something. You know, yeah, on the yeah, back right. of an Airbus. So. The warm embrace of the uh, airlines, yes, self loading freight. There you the, go. Um, uh, human so, uh, mailing tube. Uh huh. Anyways, well, all right. Windshields uh, cracking. Holy, I just. Yeah. David, you looked yeah. it up. How do you say yikes in Spanish? Caramba. Caramba. Okay. That's an episode title if I ever heard one. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled <laughs> Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, uh, coming to you from uh, the uh, very, very wet and gray banks of the Cochico River today. It's just an ugly, nasty day. Cochico River? All right, we've been down this road a couple, or down this waterway. Down, a we've been up this creek before. <laughs> yeah, we have. Still haven't got the paddle back. We have, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not not it's yeah it's just been a nasty day, and I'm, I'm we're recording this late in, on a Sunday afternoon, and normally I would have gone out and gotten some fresh air today, but because it's so ugly outside, I'm getting a little cabin fever here, waiting around to talk to you guys. But now I'm talking with my friends, and so that's good. The uh, the afternoon will be. Uh, will be rescued um because i'm talking to my <laughs> you, you you're not buying that. a dull day huh? <laughs> you're not buying this are you you're not buying this no, uh no. all right well something better yeah all right well while i'm thinking about that let me say hi to my two good friends uh one of those voices from somewhere near sarasota florida is jeb burnside good morning or afternoon jeb how you doing good afternoon i'm fine jack thank you for asking funny meeting you here I know, huh? It's been yeah. a while. It's yeah. been a while. We should do this more often. Really? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, you just got back from Las Vegas. Huh? Lost wages, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so we can talk about airplanes in a little while. Did you gamble? No, I didn't. And not even like a... Not even close. Not even not a even a, Not even a video poker machine? No. Uh-uh. Good for you. Yeah. Good no. for you. You're boring. I, I am boring. Yeah. I should, you know, I, yeah. What hotel? Where were you at? If you might, don't mind me asking. A Ham- the Hampton Inn Tropicana, which not coincidentally does not have a casino. The Hampton Inn Tropicana. Oh, down there. Okay, yeah. yeah and uh, and a- and what facility was MBAA in? The, the convention oh, center. The Las yeah. Vegas Convention Center. Right. Yeah. Okay. All um, million square feet of it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been over there in a long time. The, the jobs I do in Las Vegas these days, as a matter of fact, we're headed there in a, in a few weeks, is at the Sands Convention Center, which is also, oh, very, really? also a very big convention center, but not as big as... Uh, well, it's ironic when they, so they built the Sands Convention Center 30-plus years ago, um, it was to be bigger than the Las Vegas, because the Las Vegas Convention Center was smaller back then. And I get the feeling that there's been a, I don't know, maybe there's a competition or something. Well, there's but, construction ongoing now at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Yeah. They're expanding it, maybe doubling it. I don't know what the numbers yeah. are, but it's it's going to be fugly. Yeah, uh, down yeah there. it's across the street to the north. And, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. So if you were at the Tropicana ish and you did you ride the monorail? I guess that's where I'm getting at. No, here. I didn't. One, you didn't. One, one of my coworkers did. Um, he had a straight shot. I mean, it's like basically there's a station down there and there's a station at the convention center. To be I'll, like, a, I'll take your word for it. I, there's obviously one at the uh, at the convention center. I don't recall observing or seeing or knowing where the uh, the local stop is at the hotel. Yeah, it might actually be across the street in the uh, MGM, I believe, when I stop and think about it. Unless it's been extended um, beyond you, there. You've you got to go through it. you got to yeah, go through MGM. The MGM is not across the street. It's down It's down the block. Oh, yeah. so, okay. Isn't the Tropicana... Wait a minute, where's the Tropicana? Excalibur is, is kind of across across the street but the street yeah. being i4 whatever okay. the i is out there i think okay. yeah um, but uh, right so yeah, anyways my, yeah david my hotel was the excalibur and it's straight yeah. across the street from the uh, new york new york uh, right or diagonally you, across the street from the mgm people yeah, are yelling at us right and now you got to go <laughs> down through the mgm and come back up and then you get to the station when you get off at the convention center to get to the doors that we use, you're still talking about a two, three block walk. Thank you, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, for this ep- listening to this episode of yeah, Las Vegas Real Estate Trivia. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, Visitor Bureau. Uh, that other voice out there is my other good friend uh, here in the virtual hangar. That's from the uh, air capital of the world, uh, Wichita, Kansas. That's uh, Dave Higgin. Good morning or afternoon. I keep thinking it's morning. Good afternoon, David. Good day, Jack. <laughs> and I even have a T-shirt to attest to the air capital status that was given to me at the convention. Oh, really? And we're going to talk more about this. An item on the list a little bit later on. We'll talk about the air capital thing. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, what else is going on? You so you also just got you, you. Did you guys hang out? Did you like uh, have you know raise a glass I, together? I or? had no idea he was in town. I wouldn't have been there if you if I'd known. This <laughs> <in town. laughs> we had dinner with uh, our, our other good friend from the podcast, James Winbrand, on uh, Wednesday night. Ah, okay. And, Jack, uh, your name did come up. Uh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, right, it you did. know. And what can I say? Uh, uh, James. To plug uh, to plug uh, the accomplishments of one of our uh, uh, occasional uh, collaborators, heads. yes, he was uh, the recipient of this year's Gold Wing Award for Journalism Excellence from NBC. Really, yeah, that's awesome, yeah. James. You the man. Yeah. That's great. That's are you the person? Are you the yeah? Are you the well, journalism yeah. dude ish? For, oh, for the record, yeah. for the record, our own Mr. Higdon also won the same award a couple of years ago. A few years back. A three, few years back. Three years, I guess. So, Jeb, yeah. when's it you in my turn? I don't well, understand. You know, first of all, you, it's kind of like playing a lottery. Yeah. You have, to, <laughs> you, have, you have to buy a ticket to win the lottery. You have to be nominated to to win this award. I see. Well, now you have two former winners. Don't they get to nominate people? Or maybe that's oh, your any, problem. Anybody can nominate uh, someone. Anybody can nominate. Oh, okay. okay. Well, oh, see, you better not let the listeners hear that. And, and there's, I a small, some... there's a small fee involved with submitting oh. an application, uh, but it's okay, not good. prohibitive. It's good, you know, good, like good. lottery ticket good. Uh, yeah, territory. Okay. Well, I'll, all I'm going to say, point out is that I am the current reigning podcaster of the year. Um, that's <laughs> right. That's right. That's true. Yeah. This I, is true. I, I am. I am. That was un- 2012, wasn't it? I, something like that. Yeah. It was like it you, was, you broke the mold, Jack. I. Tr- Broke something, that's for sure. 
<laughs> All right. Well, and, then, well, and then we and then we picked up in 2011 the uh, uh, Backseat Award, named after Gordon Baxter, and, the longtime columnist for. And Flying we broke Magazine. that too. Yeah. Well, well there was one later. more given after that. One yeah. or two, something like that. But yeah, but that it, one, that one's a genuinely great thrill. I I felt yeah, very yeah, proud yeah, of that I, one. I, I joke around about the podcast of the year thing, and I'm very grateful to people who decided that I was the one. But it was a little bit of a rigged thing. And, and the fact that they never did it again, you know, it's like, I'm the reigning. I'm it. I, this is it. Okay. So anyways, that's apparently, my claim to fame. Uh, apparently the Gordon Baxter trophy uh, uh, hit an iceberg and sank like the Titanic because it just disappeared from the firmament. Yeah, that's a, right. Which was a story a that I don't completely know. And yeah, anyways. Yeah, there's a story. But I don't know it either. I'm, what else know, is going on here? There's always a story. What else is going on here? Okay, here we go. A funny coincidence that we're recording today, all right? Uh, and like I mentioned before, this is a very unusual time and date for us to record. Um, um, quint- totally coincidentally, um, 30 years ago today, if you were to look in my – today, if you were to look in my logbook, look, logbook at an entry 30 years ago today, it would say, first solo. Yay! How about that? Thirty years ago, on this date, was my very my first first solo. Um, you know, the one where the one where you're doing a regular lesson, and then you uh, get down on the ground, and the instructor says, "You know, taxi over there," and he gets out and says, "Okay, take it around a couple times." And that was what happened thirty Th- years ago. Thirty years from this coming Tuesday, you got your laundry back from the, from the dry cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> I was always, you know what, with all due respect, because I really liked my first instructor and the the flight school that I worked with, all right, but they didn't cut the tail off my shirt. I I can't find my old shirt tail. I don't know where it is. Yeah, they didn't do that for me. For I don't know why, because there were shirt tails on the wall at the flight school, um, so they did it sometimes, but they never did it for me. And uh, and what was funny, because I remember back then, I knew that was the tradition, and I was really nervous. I had a couple, a handful of favorite shirts at the time that I was like intentionally not wearing when I'd go to my flight lesson because I didn't want them to be cutting the shirt up. But uh, um, the data didn't make any difference. They didn't do it anyways. Hey, 30 years ago today. All right, time flies when you're having fun. Um, and uh, speaking of solo, and I've been talking about my, my little return to flight adventure here for a few episodes, and I'm going to cool it pretty soon but i'm still kind of jazzed by the whole thing and i i I passed another major kind of milestone if you will in the whole thing um since we last recorded um when we last recorded i had just gotten my flight review signed off and so i was legal in that regard to fly but i still didn't have a medical um i was in the process of doing basic med and uh in a couple weeks after that last recording i managed to complete basic med um and uh, and then since then, I've actually gone and flown my talk about solo, my first new solo, if you will, the first time I actually went flying on my own without an instructor, um, and uh, um, that's pretty cool. The basic med situation. Just wanted to kind of talk for a couple seconds about the whole experience with basic med, um, and and basically what what I have to say about it is that there's nothing to say about it. Uh, it was a very you know fairly routine procedure. Um, there was, uh, you know, as anybody who's even looked into it knows, it's, uh, it's sort of a, I don't know, call it a three-part process, I guess. Um, the first part is there's a form that the, the pilot fills out um, 
recording and noting all kinds of medical aspects about themselves, you know, what kind of medications they take, think, you know, their, their history. Um, there's just a whole bunch of questions, about three pages worth of questions. Um, and, and a few of those, if, the, if your answer was a particular multiple choice answer, could be something like disqualifying, but I wasn't no, close on any of those. I, I was in fine, you know, shape on all of those. Um, so I did that paperwork. Uh, then, uh, the thing that was holding the whole process up was that it took me a while to get an appointment with my regular doctor, which was step two, but I did finally go meet with my regular doctor, um, who, uh, is not an AME, obviously, or, I mean, obviously, but that's the whole part of the whole change here. And, uh, he, uh, I had briefed him earlier that I was going to ask him to do this. So it wasn't a complete surprise. On the other hand, he, ha- it appears that he had never done one of these basic meds, one of these aviation ones before. Um, he said he was familiar with having done um, DOT medicals, and I don't know if that's exactly the right term, but um, truck drivers have to do kind of a medical thing too. Yeah. And and he's done that kind of thing before. So it wasn't foreign to him, but uh, he basically, you know, I brought all this paperwork in, and that's part of the deal. You're supposed to bring in not only the part of the paperwork that the doctor fills out, but you're supposed to bring in the part of the paperwork that I had filled out previously. And you're supposed to give it to the doctor to kind of review, all right? It was funny because, um, you know, I don't know how your doctors work, but when I go to my doctor, this is also a kind of combined with a regular doctor's visit. And so uh, the first thing that usually happens is that you sit with one of the nurses for a few minutes, and they take your blood pressure and take your oxygen on your finger and ask you a bunch of questions and your temperature and all that kind of thing. Um, And I said, okay, I've got this paperwork. I talked to the doctor about this, and I need him to do this if he will, all right? And she wanted – she only wanted to take like the – it's like about – 12 pages. I mean, it's a, a fair number of pages. And she says, uh, give me the part that the doctor has to fill out. All right. And I'm going, well, hang on. It says here very explicitly, I'm supposed to provide the whole thing to the doctor. And she goes, oh, oh okay. All right. So she took the whole thing. So she disappears for a while. You sit in the doctor's exam room for a little bit longer. Um, and then finally the doctor arrives and said, hi. And, um, and and it went fine. I mean, he and he has to go through. In my case, it's a he, whoever your doctor is, um, has to go through his checklist and uh, do a bunch of exams. And he examined me in a in a couple. This is going to sound bad. He's going to he examined me in a couple of different ways that he does not usually examine me. Um, but uh, it was interesting. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could you could you be a little bit more specific, please? Calm down now. Calm down. No, he did things like uh, uh, I. Uh, you know, he doesn't usually check my vision. And he didn't really check at it but he you know he kind of like looked in both my eyes he shined lights in my eyes he did a couple of interesting tests with motor function where he said you know hold your hands up and then pull against my hands and push against my hands which i think is to measure or to just get some indication that you've got you know kind of equal strength in both sides of your body or things like that all right um what else i forget but just a few things like that nothing dramatic you know Looked in your ears. Uh, yeah, I think he looked in my ears, anyways, because I have occasional ear problems. But did uh, he check your toe jam? <laughs> no, but we did make a podiatrist, podiatrist uh, referral for some other different reason. Anyways, <laughs> you guys are way more curious about my medical history than I'm really comfortable with. So. <laughs> but I brought this up, so okay. Um, anyways, uh, he went through the checklist. Uh, we had an interesting conversation about. Um, uh, some of my medications, which are are fine, well within sort of requirements or limits or whatever you want to call it, um, but but worth a conversation, and that was good. Um, we did have an interesting conversation about oxygen at altitude, 
um, which I thought was interesting, uh, you know, because he and I talked about, you know, flying up, up, up high, you know, and oxygen, you know, less oxygen and how it will affect you and, and things like that. He made an interesting point, and he's not obviously not a pilot, not a uh, not very experienced with this, but he made an observation that I had never had never occurred to me because I, I've obviously thought about um, reduced oxygen when for me when I'm flying at some elevation. All right. Um, he pointed out that you, and and he talked about various kinds of of respiratory things that you might have that would make you need oxygen at an even lower level. And I don't have any of those. And but then he said, but you know, you might want to keep in mind that your passengers might have that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And uh, which obvious, but never occurred to me that, yeah, right. You know, I mean, I know the rules about it, giving your passengers oxygen at various, you know, um, elevations or altitudes and uh, and uh, uh, time limits. But uh, um, the idea that, you know, you might have a passenger who has a respiratory thing, which might not even be life threatening, but might just be uncomfortable. Um, and so if you're going to be flying at some at some altitude, you know, um, you might want to have that as part of your pre-brief with your passengers. Um, never occurred to me. That was interesting. So, uh, doctor finished the whole thing, uh, signed off the form. Um, I, I then scrutinized the form and this has been recommended to me by someone else who, um, had done basic med, um, whose doctor had filled out the form thinking they filled it out completely. And then when, when the person got home, looked at it and realized that the doctor had neglected to fill out a couple of things like his doctor's ID number or whatever that certificate doctor certificate number, doctors have numbers, um, that they need to write down there. And so, uh, so while in the in the exam room there, I looked at the form and it seemed like everything was filled out correctly. And uh, then I went home and uh, and uh, that evening I went online to do the quiz. So there's a there's a training online training thing. I did it through AOPA. I, I get the feeling that there's other places you can go to do this as well, but I did it through AOPA's website. Um, and uh, you basically work your way through this online training thing. Um, which is kind of clever, kind of nice. It was, it was, it was interesting. I learned some things. Um, a, a fair amount of it I knew. Some of it I didn't know. I learned a few things. Um, and they work you through this, this I forget, ten or fifteen stage um, training online training thing, which includes various review questions as you go along. And then when you're finally done, you have to take a, I believe it's twenty question um, multiple choice quiz. Um, to demonstrate, to record, or whatever word you want, to that that you got it, all right, and uh, and you have to get like, I think you can get four wrong. You, you have to get sixteen out of twenty or something like that. Um, and I was chugging along, man. I I was like, I was I was you know batting a thousand, all right, until like the next to the last question, and, uh, and it was a bizarre, oddball question. I don't even remember what it was now, but uh, um, you know, I mean, it was fair. I got it wrong, but uh, but. Anyways, so took the thing, got my little certificate. Um, you print out the certificate and you add it to the paperwork. All right, and and then in, and then if I owned my own airplane or had control of an airplane, that would be enough. Then I just basically keep that paperwork nearby. There's some portion of it you're supposed to carry with you, and the rest of it's just supposed to be nearby. And uh, I could have gone flying. I, like that night, it suddenly occurred to me because I knew like the next day I was going to go to the FBO where I rent to uh to show them this paperwork so that i could get all the sign-offs and whatnot um i'm sitting after finishing the test and got my paperwork and i'm sitting there i'm suddenly realizing hey i'm current right now 
All right. I mean, if I had access to an airplane, I could fly legally right now. And that was kind of cool. Um, but the next day I went up to my FBO up in Sanford and, uh, last thing I'll say about this, um, the one aspect of this, I was a little nervous about just because I'm a big privacy guy. All right. And, and the paperwork that you generate for basic med contains a lot of very personal health care information. All right. Um, and I was a little bit concerned that my FBO was going to want to keep a copy of all of that paperwork. And I felt like that would not be reasonable. Um, and, and I was all prepared to have this conversation with them. Um, but when I got up there, it didn't even, I mean, it did come up because the, the, the person who was running their front desk, you know, I'm sure I'm waving this pay, the sheaf of papers. Um, the front cover piece being the one that has all the, you know, kind of Jack has completed everything he needs to complete wording on it. Um, and the person at the desk started to ask for all of it to make copies of it. And coincidentally, the chief CFI of the, of the FBO was standing right there. And he said, no, 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 we don't, we don't, he said, we don't want all that. Yeah, all, right. really. all we want is the, is the certification sheet. Um, and all they did was take the, so uh, the AOPA system actually prints out a, a sort of a cover sheet that looks like sort of like a diploma almost. All right. That says Jack Hodgson has completed da 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 da, whatever the wording is. All right. Um, and then there's also a sheet that the, my doctor had signed um, saying that I've done everything in the checklist and this guy's good to go, right? And I was okay with them keeping a copy of that sheet. And, and the, the paperwork is designed such that there's no health information on that sheet. It just, uh, it just has the sign-off on it. And so I was going to be okay with them. They didn't even ask for that sheet. All they took was the AOPA covered, the, 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 the diploma, if you will. So anyways... Um, so that was my experience with basic med. Um, it was very straightforward. I mean, for some people would think it's not even very much paperwork. I, I don't like paperwork. I've never been good with paperwork. And so this was sort of in the high you know, range of the amount of paperwork I'm comfortable with, but I get it. Yeah. I, hearing your story about this, and I have to say, I've never done basic med and, and, uh, um, fortunately I can still get a conventional medical. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like a lot more hassle, just from thirty thousand feet. And well, the, I guess the the, um, the alternative is, of course, you know, not being able to fly as as a pilot in command. So, you know, you, maybe you have to weigh that um, and, and and whatnot. But you know, I don't I, going yeah. going and filling out completing the online ap- application for a medical certificate and then going to see the doctor anyway uh, and uh, walking out with the ticket. Um, seems again from thirty thousand feet, and again, fortunately, uh, I can I can still get a regular medical. Um, seems like a lot of hassle. I don't know. I, I guess maybe it was. I, I hear what you're saying, um, and I don't disagree necessarily. Uh, in my situation was so everything I've done, I, you know, I've asked around over the years um, about because. For years and years and years, leading up until the last time I was flying, which was many years ago, but up until the last time I had a third-class medical, all right, every time I went to get a medical, it was almost automatic, all right? Basically, I'd make an appointment with the AME, I'd go in, I'd fill, like you said, I'd fill out two sheets, sure. two-page two thing, the doctor would sit and talk to me and measure me and do a couple things, and boom, I was done, all right? The, 
the thing that changed was um, I've reached a stage of life where I have some routine medical issues that mm-hmm. older people have, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Um, and and that led me to be taking medications on a regular basis, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've asked around, and my condition slash medications are not disqualifying, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they make it not automatic anymore, sure. all right? A special um, issuance? And, and it's unclear whether it would have required a special issuance or not. I, I'm, I've been led to believe it depends on the AME. Yeah, how, it can depend on the AME. And sometimes it can depend on Oklahoma City's yeah, reception yeah, of that. Yeah. And, and I don't mind telling you, because this is a very routine thing. Is it, it, My case has to do with high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Older guys get high, higher blood pressure, mm-hmm. all right? Um, years and years ago, back back during my last third class, I got diagnosed with high blood pressure. My doctors caught it. They put me on medication, all right, that's approved medication, mm-hmm. all right. Um, it completely controls my high – so my so I actually don't have high blood pressure, right. all right. I take medication, and I have normal, high, normal blood pressure, all right. Um, but the fact of the, of the medication makes it possible, like David says, that, that the AME might have required and or FAA might have required me to go. And so I was a little nervous about that process. Um, I, for, like I said a minute ago, I don't like paperwork and I don't like all this stuff anyways. And so the fact that that was going to be more complicated, sure, sure. I didn't like. Um, I was also a little worried that I might go to the AME on a bad day. All right. You know, like a bad day for me or a bad day for him or her. All right. And, and that I could bust my third class medical. All right. And that's a bad thing. Sure. That's don't yeah, want to yeah, do that. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So, so all these things considered, I chose to hold off on getting my medical renewed, um, and and you know, and for a while I flew sport pilot again mm-hmm. in in the good faith belief that I was healthy enough, and I still believe that. Um, and then now, when basic med came along, and it was time for me, you know, that I, I decided to do this whole return to flight thing, I decided to, to go basic med. And yeah, it was. You're right, uh, Jeb. It was more complicated than it was certainly more complicated than it was in the old days for me. Sure. Um, it may or may not have been more complicated than it would have been if I'd gone for a third. Right. Um, but that, you know, so that was a choice I made and it's worked out. And um, it, it's funny, this is the next thing I put on the list here real quickly before we move on, although we're going to run out of time, um, is that uh, uh, I was talking with, a, again, I, like I said, I spoke to a few uh, acquaintances, friends um, who also did basic med. And we were talking about how, you know, I mean, basically, what's the difference? I can do everything I want to do with basic med. You know, I mean, I can fly all the airplanes I want to fly. Mm-hmm. I can I can fly at night. I can fly with passengers. I can fly four seats. I can all these things. Right. What's the problem? All right. Until I completely forgot about one limitation that's actually relevant to me. All right. Um, so um, I have family up in Canada, up in uh, New Brunswick, uh... Canada. All right. Um, and one of the flight missions I had thought would be kind of fun would be to fly up to uh, New Brunswick and uh, visit the family up there, all right? Um, and I sort of knew this, but I had forgotten, and this friend pointed out to me that the basic med is no good in Canada mm-hmm. as of right now. Um, as of now. Yeah. And uh, I was noticing, good, that's yeah, we had change. a story on our list about how uh, Me- Mexico apparently just recently decided to accept basic med. And so... I'm, and, I'm, and I believe the Bahamas do and as the, well. I believe the Bahamas. In Bahamas, yes. Yeah, yeah, Bahamas for some time now. But uh, Oh, you know, they, they were, were the first ones. Yeah, they, they also were the first to accept sport pilot. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And again, they're because they're big. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they're doing it because they think it's the right thing to do, but they're also doing it because they're big on tourism and, and sort of GA tourism, which, um, which in their case is the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, not uh, that far. Right. I mean, right. It, it, it's an overwater flight, but it's right. not that far. Right. As an aside, by the way, this is a story that's not been on any of our list. You know, Bahamas, of course, suffered terribly from this recent hurricane. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, but I saw a story pointing out the fact that there are large parts of the Bahamas that are still sort of making finger quotes open for business. All right. Um, there are a lot of places that you used to fly to GA to visit the Bahamas that are not not accessible right now. But there are a lot that still are. People shouldn't think that, no, you don't go to the Bahamas for, for you know, for whatever. Yeah, I'd, I'd reverse it. I'd say, you know, that I think it was Abaco um, and... Uh, whatever that the environment is there, that one island that just that the hurricane just set over. Uh, yeah. Bahamas, you know, my my impression anyway is is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of islands in in the Bahamas. Yeah, and, and that, uh, um, many of them might were, were certainly affected, but uh, I would think many many more than um, um, we might think at first blush are, are were unaffected and uh, remain open for business. Yes, that's and that's exactly what I was trying to say, but I did much more less yeah, okay. elegantly than you did. Um, you know, the thing that you know the important to remember is that is that um, it, as far as GA tourism and and whatnot is concerned, uh, much of the Bahamas are are open for business, if you will, and uh, accessible and safe and and that kind of thing. Anyways, that's sort of an aside. Um, so I can't go to Canada right now, um, but uh, um, hopefully sometime in the next couple of years that'll I I hope that would change. I don't know, yeah. maybe not. Um, so. But be, before we leave this basic med thing, too, yeah, it's my understanding that the renewal process is a lot simpler than getting at the initial time. Oh, okay, that's that's interesting. That's well, interesting. You, you've got you've got to recertify yourself every two years, and yeah, you have a doctor every four years. That's that's when I understand. Yes, um, said, but that's basically so so basically. I mean, I don't know, David, you said it's easier. It's basically the same process. It's just part of it is every two years and part of it's every four years. Um, I believe I have to do the online training slash quiz every two years. And I have to see my doctor again for his part of it, in my case, his part of it, um, every four years. Yeah, but you wouldn't be starting from scratch just like when you go back to renew your third class medical if nothing's changed. You're you're not... Sitting there filling out the entire form like you did the first time, you're just saying no change. Oh, okay, that could be true. I don't know that. I I, I had sort of assumed that I just start with the blank form again. But you're saying I can? Is there a short version of the form for the renewals? I don't know that. This is something that I picked up at uh, Oshkosh this year when I oh, was okay. talking to one of the FAA people there. Oh. I was waiting in line to order my replacement uh, pilot certificate and. Uh, which, yeah. by the it, way, made, made it a great deal because if you did it there, it was free. Yeah. If you if you only fly a certain number of hours a year, you can use the 1040EZ form of, <laughs> of uh, basic, basic mail. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. Uh, last thing on Jack's return to flight, just a real quick follow-up. Um, last episode, I talked about how I had, in my final flight review flight, we had landed at Biddeford, Maine, and I commented that i thought that was the narrowest runway i'd ever landed on and i actually went back and and checked and it wasn't by not even close biddeford's runway is a full 75 feet wide i mean it's like not not and i i was reflecting on why it seemed narrow from landing on it 
and I, I think it had to do is this is this is actually kind of interesting. So um, Biddeford is this little strip that's kind of carved out of the far the woods, the forest up there. Um, the tree line is in relatively close to the runway. Um, as I mentioned before, there's no taxiway, no parallel taxiway. So um, there's basically just a runway and a ramp. Um, and so the whole airport environment looks much narrower, much smaller than than I'm used to. And I think that's what made me think that the runway was narrow, because uh, according to the according to the uh, the uh, you know FAA data, um, it's a 75 foot runway. And uh, how long is it? Oh uh, yeah, trick question. Um, tw- not short. Tw- Two thousand twenty one hundred something like that here. Okay. Hang on here. We'll actually find it here. Let's see now. Biddeford. I whipped out my handy dandy uh, four flight here. Uh, it is. Uh, where is it here? Three thousand feet. Holy moly! The, the, the longer they get like that, the more narrow they. Maybe get. that's what it is. But anyways, according to the diagram in four flight here, it is three thousand feet by seventy-five. This is an old white guy problem in that only old white guys think that the distance between the thumb and forefinger is twelve inches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, I've talked way too much here. It's time for you guys to talk. You came back, you came back from MBAA. What did you say? See anything fun? Was there any news? Any anything interesting? Yeah, there was news. Um, Quite a bit. Yeah. By the way, MBAA is the National Business Aviation Association. That's right. That you guys, you guys actually have to wear ties, right? Is that true? I didn't wear a tie the whole trip. I didn't either. Actually, I took one with me every Uh day, just in case. And, but did you wear your little blazers and stuff? I wore blazers and, and real shoes and, and long pants. Yeah. And, I, and, and, and underwear. I, and I wore slacks and a blazer the first day I was there, uh, <laughs> but a turtleneck. All and the years I've. The next two days I had new suits, uh, also with turtlenecks or, or tight collar sweaters that uh, color coordinated. And. Uh, Managed to escape having to tie a Windsor knot for the whole bloody trip. All the years I've known you guys, I still have a t- hard time picturing you guys in, in even a blazer, let alone a jacket and tie. It's just like. Well, in, 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 in the neighborhood where I live here in Kansas, a blazer is a Chevy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what you're talking about is locally called a sports coat. A sports coat. Okay, what uh, what news came out of uh, MBAA this year? Well, Gulfstream launched yet another large cabin jet, uh, and uh, threw a I, what I hear was a hell of a party over at the Static Display Airport in Henderson. Uh, Time and, out. And, Making a tea with my hands here. There was a big party, and Dave Higdon wasn't there. Holy moly! I had I, I had another invitation that I found more attractive than being held captive waiting for the bus back from Henderson. All right, if you say so, because you're you're our you're our our, our social director at uh, Sun oh, and Fun oh, in Oshkosh. I, I, I went to two parties that night while all my friends that went over to Henderson only got to go to that one. Okay, so right. I'm yeah. sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, they had a they had a big party. The this is what the 700 or something like that. Is that yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, uh, I mean, is that different, or is it just you know an evolution? I mean, is it? Is it... Well, it's bigger. It's got longer range. Uh, it's more expensive, uh, and they already got a slew of orders for it. Uh, let's see, Embraer, they got a one point four 
billion, that's B-I-L-L-I-O-N, $1.4 billion orders for their, their Praetor jet from uh, uh, NetJets. Uh, I don't know the solid number on that, but it's a hell of a lot. Hell of yeah, a lot of airplanes. I don't know what mix of that is firm and, and options, but uh, yeah, that's a big number. It's a big number. Uh, Avidine, our friends from Avidine were there with uh, a piece of equipment stepping into the Part 25 world. Uh, they uh, introduced their first flight management system. Uh, and uh, Now, an FMS is kind of a blend of a navigator and a flight control system. And they usually have a QWERTY keypad and a display screen. And as uh, our old friend uh, Tom at uh, Avidine was explaining to me the other day, they basically started with the uh, IFD, what is it, 550. 550. And rotated it 90 degrees so it would fit in the flight management system slot that's in most business jets and a lot of airliners. Reoriented the screen and took out the other knobs and controls and put in a QWERTY keyboard and built in the autopilot functions and called it a FMS. And uh, at the price that they're talking about, uh, I suspect that they'll be doing a pretty snappy refit yeah. business with that piece of equipment. That's like an instant upgrade for a lot of these old jets um, and kills a lot of birds with one stone for, for not a whole lot of stones. Yeah, Uh very reasonable as those things go. Uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Uh, Garmin, which surprised me with their silence up until uh, the middle of the show. And they uh, announced that they've uh, got a supplemental type certificate for the G1000 NXI in all the models of King Air that Textron Aviation makes today. Uh, that was from our end of the business. Uh what else? What else? What else? A uh, number of other avionics stories there. Uh, Cessna had its big jet, the Longitude, there, and uh, they're pushing them out of the out of the assembly hangar over at uh, Eisenhower Field about as fast as they can buck the rivets. Uh, <laughs> well, they were two years behind schedule getting that airplane out, and they had a bunch of very impatient uh, customers. And as, as they were waiting for the final issues to be cleared up, which, was, if I remember correctly, was a, a, a an issue with the fuel tank system and, and probably the heaters. Yeah, but, it's all those 737 those, Max parts are in the way. Yeah, it's like oh, different airport, dude. Oh, okay. All right. uh, that came up in a number of conversations. So I would it imagine. did, and and um, you know, there's a pay them enough money, they'll you know, build a BBJ version of anything, but a, a BBJ, of course, standing for Boeing Business Jet. Um, but there are BBJ versions of the uh, of the Max, and mm-hmm. uh, are at least on the drawing boards, and or and or sold, and or in the pipeline, and or who knows. Um, um, I'm Bo- sorry, have Boeing, there been some delivered? Boeing doesn't talk much about uh, its BBJ clients, um, so I, I personally don't know how many BBJ Maxes. Uh, have been bought slash delivered, uh, but I believe um, that it uh, doesn't really matter. They're still grounded. Well, that was my question. Would they be covered by the grounding? Or is it yeah, an airline? Yeah, thing? they would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, they have to get a special flight permit to do anything under Part 91, yeah. and a typical BBJ operation would be, or a, the, the um, um, 
Um, I don't know about I don't know that it would be a typical BBJ operation, but right. clearly um, you'd want to be able to operate at Part ninety one. Right, right. Jeb, you go are out at these shows with a little bit different mission than than Dave does, and uh-huh. I don't. So, but did you get a chance to hear about or see anything of interest? Well, I saw you know at least um, um, stories about everything. Um, I didn't get out to see much of the show, but that's okay. Um, the the it, I guess two big buzzes, if you will, um, for the show this year uh, had to do with. Um, uh, what's called SAF, S-A-F, Sustainable Aviation Fuel. Uh, okay. And that was a big a big deal in a lot of quarters. Um, uh, oh, it was a, it was kind of a theme of the show. It, it was, yeah. It was one of the themes. Um, and there were a couple of vendors um, making um, I should I, flying demos and, and uh, um, pumping um, fuel for um, uh, it was one uh, uh, one operator in Nebraska, one FBI, I should say, in, in Nebraska, that was uh, specifically pumping um, sustainable uh, a- aviation fuel into jets coming and going from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a big deal, made a big splash about that. Now, uh, I don't know. The, the number I saw was 7,300 gallons of the stuff. Um I don't know if that's a lot. I don't know if that's not a lot. I guess I would guess that for a, an active FBO um, in a big city airport, that's not a lot of fuel. Uh, but so, yeah, I wouldn't think it was. Yes, yeah. having said all that, um, the other um, big theme was um, urban air mobility. UAM, ah. or, oh, yeah. or shall we say, the Uberization of um, of uh, um, air taxis, yeah, and uh, automation and uh, electrification and hybridization and <laughs> all of these Asians you want um, coming Bingo. out of yeah. this theme, um, and um, it's incredibly interesting to watch. One of it my uh, one of my uh, experiences at this year's NBAA meeting was. Uh, to visit the uh, part of the show floor where they had a, a collection of these urban air mobility ideas mm-hmm. uh, and were showing them. And they had a mock-up of uh, a, a product that Uber is promoting. And I got to sit down in a chair uh, next to it after looking it over and looking inside and the panel and all that and uh, put on a pair of uh, or a set of uh, uh, virtual reality glasses and I got to fly from uh, San Francisco to San Jose on what these, what Uber says will be their transport in, in a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. It uses one set of motors and props to take off and land vertically. A completely different, and, and those props stow after they get at altitude and transition to level flight. Mm-hmm. They just go down into the nacelle and disappear like landing gear. Uh, right. And then uh, horizontally mounted motors to take us across. And as you looked around with the virtual reality glasses on, you could see San Francisco Bay. You could see the Bay Bridge, uh, all the scenery that you would see if you were making that trip. Uh, And the ticket was free. So, uh, uh, 
But in talking to a couple of analysts, uh, in, including a guy uh, named Raleigh Vincent and his partner, they operate a, a company called JetNet, and they're big into the numbers game. And a couple of people from uh, the FAA, the current consensus seems to be that we will have supersonic business jets within five years, but we won't have uh, self-flown automated air taxis for eight to ten, maybe longer. And the big hang-up being that automation and autonomy. And there's a program underway right now uh, in development that I can't give any details on, uh, but it involves a high degree of automation of an aircraft. Uh, And the big hang-up on it is getting all the software code uh, screened, cleaned, and stamped approved. And I think the bar went up on on that kind of stuff with the two uh, 737 MAX 8 crashes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it went up significantly in the aftermath of that. So that's probably going to push the timeline out because they're going to be extra careful, special, double-secret, double checks, triple checks before they let anything like that out in the airspace with human beings in it. The other issue is going to be airspace integration because there are still some of the folks that are, you know, this is their thing, that think that they ought to be able to fly without any control below 400 feet and that the FAA shouldn't really have any say in, in yeah. where they go and how they go. And I'm afraid they're going to be in for a rude awakening before they uh, they finally come around to the idea that, yes, you will be regulated. Yeah, you could be right about that. There's actually an item lower on the list here that I'm not sure if we're going to get to, but uh, exactly to that point. But uh, So MBAA, it was, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a good one, a bad one, a, a normal one? Uh, it was it a cer- good show. It, yeah, it was, certainly was not a bad one. Yeah. Um, the state uh, of the business aviation world is good? Fair. I'd say it's fair. Yeah, okay. I, I, you know, I don't want to damn with faint praise or anything. Um, the, you know, the, the Embraer NetJets deal, that's, you know, a high watermark. Um, the Gulfstream G700, that's another high watermark. Um, all of the, the aircraft uh, out there, and, and, and TBM, you know, announced a new version, or uh, I'm sorry, Dyer, uh, Dyer, uh, da, da, whatever, uh, brought out a, a new version of it. It's TV of the 940. And, um, oh, uh, you know, Hartzell's got new props for uh, the, the King Air 200. And, you know, on and on and on. Um, a lot of the uh, crystal ball gazers um, uh, who expressed an opinion at the show or, or got visibility at the show were um, saying that we're in a slowdown period um, based on uncertainty in uh, the political environment, uncertainty in the economic environment, just general uncertainty, um, which we've all heard before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there's nothing really new, I don't think, this time around either. It's just a fact of life, and um, you know, talk to me in five years, and we'll see how things are going. Um, 
I don't see anything abnormal about any of that. Um, the um, the only abnormality or the only discord, if you will, would be that those um, soothsayers and, and uh, navel gazers and crystal ball gazers uh, are saying things are trending downward as opposed to trending upward. So you know, take take of that, make of that what you right. will. Yeah. Okay. As the most recent gamma reports have shown that the only real growth in aircraft sales right now is is in an unexpected area. It's piston airplanes. And, uh, I was going to uh, say piston helicopters, I would think, actually. Yeah, piston, but uh, piston, piston, piston airplanes generally, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. a lot of that has to do with the push to get more new pilots for the professional truck as jacked trainer sales, in particular for Piper, uh and uh, flight activity is trending upward among the business aviation operators. Flight activity in Europe is is, is trending up right now. Uh, and there's expectations that, that with some of these new models in, in the pipeline that that will, and ADSB coming due, that will uh, trigger some rollover. I mean, there's some, some airplanes out there that uh, the, the uh, soothsayers expect to basically get scrapped for parts mm-hmm. uh, because it's going to be too expensive to upgrade them, and there's not an ADSB system yet for them. They don't have the avionics to support it. I mean, there's still a lot of business jets out there, older ones, that uh, still have an, uh, a Loran C in the panel, and Loran C got turned off years ago. But they don't have an IFR GPS in it because nobody's STC'd the system mm-hmm. for their airplane. So uh, that in itself should generate some churn. But I think the churn's going to exist mostly in the pre-owned market, which is business aviation speak for used airplanes. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on here. Um, so the next thing on the list is a real tragic tragic story um it's funny that it feels like this happened some time ago this is the uh with the callings foundation b-17 that crashed um down in hartford Connecticut. oh yeah old 909 in uh, in hartford connecticut um it, it's actually this happened afterward the last time we recorded this how long ago it's been since we we did an episode um the uh and i gotta figure that most of our listeners are somewhat tuned in and aware of this whole situation but but basically what happened was uh the callings foundation b17 um was doing was on tour as as they do um along with some other callings aircraft and they were visiting the airport in hartford connecticut um and giving rides um selling rides but uh rides um and uh, on one particular ride uh and now I'm getting into the this is sort of the information we have at this point. The aircraft took off um, soon after takeoff, very, relatively very soon after takeoff. They started to experience some sort of engine troubles. Um, they told the controllers that they were coming around and going to land. Um, they worked their way around to land, um, but contacted the ground prior to the runway, as I understand it. Um, and then veered off the runway center line and and crashed into uh, some infrastructure, apparently some de-icing facility or something like that. Um, and uh, and there was a big fire um, after the crash. Um, and about half of the twelve or thirteen people on board um, were killed on the scene. Um, the other half did get out. Um, and uh, um, you know, I mean, it's just a horrible, 
tragedy um, yeah. on so many different levels. Killed um, seven of the thirteen. Right. Uh, it's uh, you know. I don't know what to say about it exactly. Um, so it's been a reasonably long period of time. Um, NTSB actually has has released um, a preliminary report. Um, I don't know if this I call I want to call it the factual. Is that an accurate? No, um, it's not. It's no, not the it's factual. Not. The factual will come next. Uh, okay, but anyways, they released a preliminary um, information. I don't even want to call it a report. Um, where, which had a little bit more descriptive information about the, for example, I the original reports I heard, I was under the impression that the airplane made the runway and then lost control on the runway. But according to this, that's not the case. Um, according to this, they came down in the approach lights. Um, and uh, the other thing that I found notable about this preliminary um, NTSB prelim um, is the indication that they may have lost not one engine but two um that they may have lost both engines on one side of the airplane um and uh and if that's the case you know carumba um i mean that's just to put some meat on on yeah tell me jeb yeah the um the preliminary report indicates that uh, the propellers on both right engines had been feathered prior to impact yep and uh, you only do that if you've got an engine failure um you know at least you know in this in this airplane now um and apparently and and jeb you're the twin guy um um they were on the side of the airplane that made the turn that they needed to make back to the airport the the worst case scenario that's basically correct yeah um um let me hasten to to mention that flying a B-17 is not remotely close to what multi-engine aircraft I have flown. Okay. Okay. So um, I've never flown a four-engine aircraft. I've flown some twins. Um, the One of the mantras in dealing with a failed engine and a twin is you want to raise the dead. You want to do the Lazarus thing. Okay. You want to raise. You want you want the wing with the inoperative engine to be approximately five degrees uh, up, and you want a, a left or a bank uh, um, away from that engine. In other words, uh, approximately five degrees, and you correct the resulting uh, yaw with rudder. Um, that gives you um, the best aerodynamics. Uh, for a climb in a in a conventional twin, be it piston, turboprop, or or jet. Um, the other thing you, because of the fact that you want to raise that that dead engine, you want the, the you want to bank away from that engine, but control your direction with rudder. Um, it's bad uh, to be flying in a turn toward the dead engines mm-hmm. okay um that's it's just the aerodynamics and we could get into a uh, long-winded discussion which i would probably fail right off the top of my head uh, about the aerodynamics uh, of why that's the case nevertheless that's that's the general rule you don't want to turn into the dead engine uh, that's exactly what these guys were were doing yeah, because that was the way they kind of had, well, they're, had they're, to turn, but they chose to turn that way. Well, that was, chose that, had, was a sh- you know, that was a short way back to the runway. A short, thank you. That's a short way back to the runway. Uh, it, it seems to, um, you know, they almost made it. 
Yeah. They came up yeah. short in the runway in the in the approach lights. Um so, you know, it's I'm not going to sit here and second guess. No. Um if uh, we don't know if they had flown a left pattern, in, you know, all right, you're cleared to make a right traffic. Dude, I got an emergency. I'm going to fly any freaking traffic pattern I want. Right. Yeah. Um, Part 91 says you can do exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And I don't even have to fly a pattern. I can fly straight and level away from the airport until I can get some altitude underneath me and come yep. back. Right. Yep. Okay. So um, it's it's very difficult for me to sit here and, 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 uh, um, second guess or Monday morning quarterback these guys. Mm-mm. They were much better experienced, many more hours. Um, I think one of them, I think the the left seater had like 10,000 hours in B-17s. Right. Okay. These were not um, um, Joe Schmo off the street flying this airplane. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I, I certainly, I hope I didn't indicate that I thought no, there no, was no, any no, no. sort of pilot. Or, this was a bad, bad, for, unfortunate yeah. situation. Well, yeah. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, this accident, as many aviation accidents have done in the past, set off a little ripple among the nimnuls, mm-hmm. the right. know-nothings, who came out of the woodwork the first few days and, and, and started raising the question, why are we letting these old warbirds fly anyway? They should be grounded. Nobody should be able to do anything in them. And that, that got tamped down really quickly, yeah. uh, fortunately, uh, because something like that, if left unchallenged, can ripple until pretty soon you got know-nothings and high levels of authority parroting what they've heard from other know-nothings and then doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons. And I don't think we're going to see that here yeah. long term. Yeah. And you know, from all reports and, and the Collings Foundation, this is not their first rodeo. And I don't want let me, let me rephrase that. Oh, they've been around forever. Yeah. They've yeah. been around forever. They've they've checked that box. They've been there and done that. They have, you know, um, inspectors coming and talking to them before this. I'm sure they'll have more inspectors. Um, um, they were doing it right, is the punchline. I, I yeah. have no doubt. That's my assumption as well. You know? Well, a, fr- a friend of mine, uh, who without his permission, and I'm not going to mention his name, who's, a, who's an airline captain, uh, has been for years, and he is on uh, spent part of his uh, time off uh, every year flying uh, B-17s for the Collings Foundation. And when this happened, one of the first things I did was send him an email to make sure that he, he wasn't uh, part of the crew. Right. Uh, because the way his schedule runs, I never know when he's taking time off to uh, to do this kind of uh, flying. But mm-hmm. uh, he's a regular part of it. And what the crew members have to go through to qualify uh, would put flight safety to shame. I mean, it's it's easily one of the most thorough and involved processes yeah. that you'll ever find in aviation. And they're required, when they come back to fly part of a season, they're required to get checked out again, recertified, before they go out and fly, you know, the uh, paying tourists on these. And Collins Foundation has a lot of different old warbirds that they take on tour. Uh, it's tragic that seven people died in this. It's tragic that we lost a, a B-17 uh, named after a, as imminent a real B-17, a, a combat veteran as an uh, old 909. Uh, but this is how we 
keep this history alive. This is how we keep people engaged and informed. Uh, you know, the idea of putting them up under lights in a museum and never flying them and, and thinking that that's going to help promote aviation history and, and keep people alive and interested in it is ludicrous on its face. So uh, we'll be glad to see the Collings Foundation back in the air when the time comes uh, and be looking forward to the uh, factual and the uh, uh, probable cause on this one because I have a feeling it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to – it's not going to be just one thing. It's going to be a series of things. Right, yeah, uh, right. One of the the items also that I noticed in um, um, the prelim was that the um, engines one through three on this B-17, i.e. the the engines on the left – both engines on the left wing and the inboard engine on the right wing were almost brand new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While the number four engine, the most outboard engine on the right wing, had like, I don't know, 11, 1,200 hours or something. Right. Um, now, should be, oh, that's an interesting observation. The, the one thing in the preliminary, another thing in the preliminary, other than the two engines failed instead of one, which was news to me. Well, anyways, let's, let's, let's back up. Yeah. I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, there's evidence that both engines had been feathered. Let's put it Thank that you. Way. Thank you. I, thank you. I stand corrected. But um, this preliminary also made a somewhat brief reference to the refueling of the aircraft mm-hmm. that morning. Mm-hmm. Is that just kind of routine information or should, could, could, I don't know, should we, is that unusual that they would even mention no. that? No. It's not unusual. No, it's, it, it's part of you know, just the basic forensics, the basic examination of, of uh, right. Um, now, in some instances, you might read a prelim. You might get to to read a prelim that doesn't discuss anything about the fuel taken on board the airplane, and then in the final report, the probable cause finding, there is discussion of the fuel taken on, and that can be uh, for any reason. It's in this preliminary report because that's an obvious um, question okay. that a lot of people would have. The the one of the Implications being um, the aircraft could have been fueled with jet fuel. Yeah. Which would make for a short flight. Right. Right. Um, right. That apparently was not the case in this instance. And, and you can be, you know, very crude about it and say that it doesn't seem to have been a whole lot wrong with the fuel because it burned quite nicely. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 But, so, okay. Um, so, I just wanted to kind of yeah. wonder whether that was relevant or not. But. Yeah, there's, there's, but there are other commonalities. Um, okay, let's let's presume that it is, it is in fact demonstrated that both engines on the right side failed. Well, that opens up a whole different set of of worms. You know, are do we have a linkages problem? Do we have an instrumentation problem? Do we have uh, something else going on on that right wing that resulted in uh, a, a, an engine failure that maybe was not so much misdiagnosed or mishandled? But the controls were bass backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Or, like or, David said, or the, or the gauges were bass backwards, and and they think they're feathering. They, they think number three is acting up, but it's really number four, or, or vice versa. You know, we don't know yet. Is the right? Punchline. We don't know. Yeah, and as but David they, said, they will know before they issue a. Oh, I'm a, sure. A, yeah, yeah. Probable yeah. cause. They, I would they're be. they're very good at what they do. Yeah. So, and as David said, I, I, this is the the uh, the factual and the uh, the probable cause promised to be interesting, educational, and 
you know, interesting. I know that's a bad word in this case. Well, but uh, yeah, there's no good words in this case. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. anyways, all right. Uh, reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, and uh, there's uh, basically everything else on the list before shout outs can be pushed. So we'll, we'll pull them off until another episode, assuming we ever do another episode, which is a whole other question. But uh, uh, let's see now. I'm uh, surprised I... the local constabulary hasn't walked in and shut us down already. So I know, huh? Um, do you uh, guys uh, approve? I, can I go to shout-outs? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, while you ponder shout-outs, I'm going to do one bit of podcast business here. Um, please do be pondering shout-outs while I'm doing this. Um, and that is, um, and I don't think I've revisited this since the last, again, it's been a long time. Um, uh, maybe last episode, episode before, I asked listeners to weigh in on the subject of the MP3 embedded chapter information the, the, that appear in some um, uh, podcast players. And I asked people whether or not um, they were actually enjoying that stuff and whether it's worth it for me to continue to do it. And I very quickly heard from a handful of listeners that they do, in fact, enjoy that information. Um, and and uh, and that was enough for me. And once I heard from two or three, that was good for me. So uh, just FYI, um, we will continue to have um, the MP3 embedded chapter information um, in, in the episodes. We were always going to continue to have the what I call the chapter information on the show notes the, with the times, time codes and things like that. The question was whether or not we put it into the MP3 file, which... You have the ability to put it in there as metadata, and it's very inside baseball. But uh, um, in any event, I heard from a, a handful, a number of listeners, well more than I needed to, that this is this is useful to you folks, and do you enjoy it and use it? And so we're going to keep doing it. So uh, um, that will be there. I will make one caveat, and that caveat, and that is that um, the chapter info will be there. I may, though, start trimming back on, on including um, links in that metadata. And so the links that we refer to may only appear in the show notes pages on the website. Um, that may not appear in the, in the metadata. But the, the chapter titles, subjects, and um, time codes will continue to be embedded in the MP3 files. The large print giveth. The small print taketh away. Yeah, well, I will see whether or not that's significant or not. But, uh, yeah, you're going to go to the show notes page. There's a lot of interesting stuff at the show notes pages and maybe more as time goes on. Um, so, uh, you're anyways. Such a, you're such a tease. I know. huh? Uh, shout outs. What do you guys got? Anything? There's a bunch here. I don't know if you want to really grab any of them. but uh, uh, Dave, you got one ready? Yeah, uh, and, and, and this will be easy. Uh, for those of you that are light sport fans or just like going to aviation events, the uh, next edition of the uh, DeLand Showcase down in DeLand, Florida, the light sport show is coming up November 14, 15, and 16. Uh, check it out. Queue up now. Yeah. It's going to be good. I wish I could be there. I, I was actually considering going down there for it this year, this year. But uh, as usual, I have a job that week, so uh, I can't do it. But uh, um, and and now it's the Florida sort of non-summer show um, and uh, sport aviation show. So um, yeah, that other one went away. That other one went away. So uh, it's interesting. I just happened to be at Sebring earlier today. Yeah. And today. Today. Really? Okay. Um, and wait, is it Wednesday? Oh no. Okay, I thought maybe you went to the breakfast. Go ahead. Yeah. It's Sunday. I know it is. All day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have friends who go there every, what, Wednesday morning for a breakfast or something like that. But uh, anyways, okay, why were yeah, you there? I was there to get lunch. Oh, okay. That's a nice restaurant. Yeah. 
But yeah. um, like the the atus should would be shorter if they just talked about which taxiways and ramp areas were open. As oh, really? To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's under construction. And I was like, taxi, and I was like, wow, you know, they're doing a lot of work here. You know, right? You know, the year after the 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 um, sport aircraft uh, expo uh, went under, so. I don't know what that means, um, but you know it'll be a nice facility when it's finished. Okay, all right. Uh, but well, uh, which, which yeah. the good news is will be before the sun burns out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. yeah okay. Given the rate at which uh, Florida DOT builds uh, uh, pavement, yeah, um, yeah, no one. Yeah. yeah, but that's Sebring. That's sort of central in the highlands of Florida. Um, <laughs> That's what they call themselves. I know. Not, I know. I'm, I'm right. Right. Yeah. yeah it, I say this. You've heard me say this both yeah. of you before. I don't know if our listeners have or not. There's a couple of roads in in Sarasota that yeah. have the word ridge in them. Yes, I There's know. not a ridge within 200 miles of Sarasota. I know. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, it's the, just yeah. wrong. Yeah. The area around Sebring calls themselves the Highlands. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so, but just to be clear, Sebring is where the show you where where there used to be a show where, where the sport expo the right. sport aircraft expo used to be and the but new it, but show. It's no longer. The new show that's in November is in Deland, which is a little bit further north. Um, exactly sort right. of, sort I've of even got a ball cap for that one. The other, Daytona, the other, the other side of Orlando. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Um, it, David, I'm going to go next. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Jed. No, did I cut go, you no, off? no, no. You, okay. You control so, the horizontal. You control the vertical. <laughs> sort of. I try to be discreet. Uh, subtle about you mean things. somebody controls this? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's that. Being too. discreet and in, in, in acting with discretion are two different things. That's right. <laughs> I have a confession to make, okay? I have a confession to make, all right? And that is that I used my position in the podcast to get something for free. I, I you know, not only that, we're going used... to impeach you. Yeah, okay. Uh-oh. Don't go there. Um, I used my position in the podcast to get something for free. I actually, in fact, used one of you guys' names, um, you know, not in vain, but uh, I, brazen, I brazenly used your name. To, um, so I got. I saw a press release. Uh, so we always, Dave, Dave is from Wichita, all right, uh, the air capital of the world. And I, we t- mentioned that just about every episode and many episodes. Dave talks about av- the, hi- the history of aviation in Wichita. I got a press release a couple weeks, a few weeks back um that um a book is being published a book that i will and i don't mean this dismissively i would characterize as a coffee table book it's a uh, a book about the history of of aviation in wichita which it's called wichita colon where aviation took wing right and i saw this book and i thought well that looks kind of interesting i i you know i wouldn't mind seeing this book and, and getting a closer look at it and so i dashed off an email to the publicist involved with this thing um where i explained my situation with the podcast and then i also brazenly used dropped david's name i said one of my one of my co-hosts on the podcast is dave higdon who was uh you know from wichita and was a reporter and and we often talk about wichita and you know we might talk about your book so maybe you'll send <laughs> send me send me if, a if you send copy. me a copy of it <laughs> we might talk about it yeah right so send me would you please send me a copy of the book all right you know and so i sent this off and i i figured maybe they'll send me a copy and no reason why not but well like the next day i got a 
response from the publicist woman, all right, who not only said yes, but said, oh, yeah, Dave, I know we know Dave. Dave's a good guy. Dave helped us with the book. He gave us a lot of information. And uh, tell Dave we said hi, and uh, we're going to send you a copy of the book. And so I have received a copy of Wichita, uh, where aviation took wing. It's a very, very uh, – David, do you, have you actually seen a copy of this thing yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 the 60-second the, the tour is years ago when Wichita was building a new terminal at what is now Eisenhower Airport. Yeah. Uh, the Gretemann Group, uh, headed by the lovely Sonia Gretemann and uh, uh, Diana Harms is her number two, uh, were consulting with local sources to put together a history display that's on the second floor of the new terminal. And you you walk past it when you come in. You walk past it when you're leaving. Uh, and it's got all these great pictures and text. Uh, a number of people that you might know. Dave Franson, uh, for example, a PR guy here in Wichita. Uh, he helped out. I helped out. Uh, quite a long list of people who helped out. Uh, my friend Al Higdon, uh, no relation, helped out. And now, if you walk past this display in the airport, there's a list of all the people who contributed information and helped them develop the. Uh, it was a, quite a lovely graphic display, and uh, there's my name. Yeah, you Im- are Im- immortalized in this, and they <laughs> used that information as a launching pad for the book. Uh-huh. Uh, and I saw uh, some of their staff at NBAA, uh, and uh, always good to see them. And uh, I've got to follow up and get myself a copy of the book because I haven't done that yet. Yeah. So well, you should because it's very attractive. Um, I, I haven't read it yet, but I've, I've I've gone through it and read certain sections, and uh, um, it's it's very attractive and very well done. Hardcover book with a nice glossy paper and color, and um, and uh, it's just a very nice book. I, I'm I'm really pleased to have a copy of it. And uh, you know, we've talked about Wichita, Wichita. I, I mean, I think maybe listeners of this podcast are, are aware of this, but the contribution that Wichita has made to aviation over the years is, is just uh, remarkable. And uh, and a lot of that is summarized um, in in this book. And so, if you're at all curious about history of aviation, particularly Wichita, um, you, you might want to pick up a copy. Now, having said that, I'm not 100 sure how people can get one. I don't know if it's available on Amazon or not. Um, I believe that there's a direct. If you Google Wichita where aviation took wing, um, you'll probably find the the way, website of the book. And I believe you can buy it direct from there. Yeah. Um, how about how about this? I, I yeah. send you a link. You did? Okay. Yeah. I will send you a link. Right Very good. Now. And we'll put that in the show notes. So uh, anyways, um, thank you to the folks at the at the, the book publishers uh, who provided me with a copy. But it's very nice. And uh, if you're at all interested in this kind of thing, you might want to check it out. That'd be um, the Gretemann Group here in Wichita. Very, very savvy uh, PR and branding agency. Yeah, very cool. All right, then. Uh, David, you got a shout out? Uh, yeah, let me get back to my list here. Where Where, where am I? Oh, up here, up there. Uh, the uh, sad news for those folks that might have been f- fans of the uh, ultralight line, uh, the, the chipper built by uh, James and Kathy Wiebe, uh, they were building a, a nice light sport kit airplane. Uh, they started out with a uh, with, with what had been a... Uh, another company's design and, and evolved it significantly. And uh, they had a fire at their hangar uh, a few weeks ago. 
and lost most of their tooling. Mm. But fortunately, we were able to save their intellectual information. Lost a lot of stock. So now there is a uh, light sport aircraft business for sale. Yeah. And we'll have that link in the show notes. Yeah. That's, it's a sad situation, but, uh, I mean, I'm glad nobody was hurt, obviously, and uh, that they were to preserve some of it. But uh, th- Because they were quite the, the, the proponents of, of, you know, self, you know, experimental aircraft, I guess, is maybe the way to characterize yeah. it. And uh, um, it's too bad to see them deciding to move out of the business, but it's understandable under the circumstances. So, anyways, yeah. Okay. All right, then. Um, real quickly, uh, yeah, I don't know how to shout out is maybe not the right phrase. Maybe shout down or, or kids don't do this at home. Ooh, kind cool. Of Go ahead. Yeah, but there was an episode within the last month or so. Um, you both of you guys are aware of it, but uh, I want to put a, a little bit of a spin on this. Um, a woman was um, severely injured uh, on the ramp in oh, Key yeah. West a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, after exiting an airplane with its propeller still turning. Yeah. Uh, apparently, and I haven't dived into this since the initial reports, but apparently um, the pilot, both the pilot and the passenger, exited the airplane with the prop still turning, or with a propeller still turning. It's not clear to me if this is a, a twin or a single or whatever. I... <laughs> I cannot stress strongly enough, don't do this. Never, ever, ever do this. Never let anybody out of the airplane with a propeller still turning. Never abandon the airplane with a propeller still turning. Don't do this. It's insane. It's bad. It's nuts. It's crazy. Don't do this. Thank you. Well, I watched watched a guy, my first Oshkosh, we were headed back up to the exhibit buildings where I was due to, to pull a shift at the uh, glider rider booth. And it was the last day, and people were packing up and trying to get out. And we'd had a tremendous rainstorm the night before. And uh, this gentleman started up his uh, complex, high-performance piston single and had it running at high idle uh, with the brake set and the tie-downs still in it. And he got out to undo the tie-downs. And off it went, and through a tent, which fortunately did not kill the woman inside. She just lost her foot off one leg from the propeller going through it, and Jeez. it hit, in, hit a ditch and stopped. Uh, and at, at that moment, I was stunned that anybody would get out of an airplane yeah. with a running engine. Yeah. And it's just, it's just somebody, you know, went over to try to help you know, pull the tent apart, get the lady out. Uh, they really didn't need my help. But uh, somebody said, what, you know, what were you thinking? And he goes, well, it was tied down. And, yeah, tied down to stakes in the ground that had gotten two inches of rain the night before. They just pulled the, pulled the tie downs right out of the ground. Yeah. So never. Jeb's got it right. Never, ever. Yeah. No circumstances allowed. No exceptions. Yeah. Don't do this. Don't, Don't do, do that. that. It's, 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 um, you know, I'll, I'll raise my hand and say, I have started, uh, uh, my airplane and tried to taxi with the chalk still in place. Yeah. Right. And Me too. 
Me too. You know, we, eventually, you fly enough, you go, you know, whatever, it's going to happen. Um, maybe there's a tie down. You know, I, 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 tie downs are, are a little bit in the uh, a little bit I think over center from the point of um, you're doing it wrong. Um, you yeah. Should, yeah. The chalk anyone can forget because you know I'm anyone and I forgot. Yeah, them. right. They're down um, there. And you know I've tried to power over it before. You know yada yada, but that doesn't work too well either. Yeah. Um, but the only solution, unless there's some brave ground crewman who's going to dive under your nose uh, with a prop turning, uh, and of course we all we all pull the power back a little bit to idle, like you know it won't yeah, hurt as bad. Help. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Um, no, don't don't do this. Yeah, um, I, I, you've yeah, got right. to shut down the airplane completely. Too bad, you know. Sorry, it sucks to be you. You've got to do it that way. That's the right. only way to handle that kind of a situation. Yeah, I'll shut. I up. think we're yeah, uh, no, sh- no, don't I'll shut up now. Well, I think we're all in agreement. All right, fork time. Um, this is yeah, this is a long episode, and we still have to do the after show for all the rewards people. But uh, anyways, uh, 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 thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's always a lot of fun. What's your um, name again? Yeah, I know. Who are you? I think I remember you from something or other. I don't know. Um, He's the guy we never say hi he, to in the TSA. You're line. the guy in that movie with that thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 and the other guy. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, 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 that guy too. Yeah, but you on this uh, 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 on the other hand are, are Jeb Burnside. Uh, Jeb, thank you for being here. Uh, Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? You're catching your breath from uh, catch Las my, Vegas. Catch and... my breath from the lost wages. Um, While well, I was there on behalf of uh, uh, Aviation International News, uh, AINonline.com. Uh, um, check it out. They, have, I think, we had some pretty good coverage. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I was. Did I was, you see somebody on the airplane coming home? Somebody. Oh, there was somebody on the air. Yes, there was a guy in front in the row in front of me. I uh, had the hard copy of our day one coverage open and was reading a page and and all that. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> that um, is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. But uh, yeah, but, as I mentioned on Twitter, I said, "Oh, people actually read these things." Yeah, oh, I didn't sure. know there was actually readers. It, it, you know, didn't help that it was you know the FO's leg, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else are you been working on? You just did you just do a magazine? I'm gearing up this week to knock out the next, uh, ah. put the finishing touches on, I should say, um, the December issue of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Drum roll, please. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, find more of my stuff. Uh, let's see. Um, AEA.net for the Aircraft Electronics Association and the, the stuff I write about um, in uh, aviation. I'm sorry, in avionics news. Uh, AvWeb, GeneralAviationNews.com. Uh, and um, who knows where else I might yeah. pop up. I may, maybe I missed it. Did you say AviationSafetyMagazine.com? I did, but thank you for repeating. Okay. And did you say uh, Burnside J on Twitter? I did not say that. And the magazine on Twitter? The magazine is uh, AvSafetyMag um, on Twitter, at AvSafetyMag versus at Burnside J. Got it. Got it. Thank you very much. And Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer Magazine. David, what have you been up to? Well, it's... I got a couple of stories in this month's avionics news that uh, I don't mind plugging. Uh, one of them is on flight control systems, uh, autopilots and such. Uh, the other is uh, cleverly titled, You Can See the Light, Even in the Dark or the Clag. Uh, that's on 
synthetic and enhanced vision and combined vision systems that are available now and working their way down the chain. And there's even some stuff now for uh, the, uh, the lightest end of the market. So something to keep in mind when you're out there wishing you were up there, but glad you're down here. Yeah. And where can people find out about all this stuff on the Internet? Well, the AEA.net for Avionics News Magazine, avbuyer.com for my uh, business aviation work with uh, those fine folks who I got to spend some lovely time with in the, in the Las Vegas last week. Uh, otherwise, uh, do a Google search, and remember, I'm not a golf writer and not a theoretical physicist because that's the other Dave Higdons that will come up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, As if I'm, one of us wasn't enough. Well, and, and I can't even pronounce theoretical physicists, so uh, there you go. <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, I've been, uh, well, I mean, other than, in addition to uh, learning to fly again and uh, fast-talking my way into free books, um, <laughs> just, got, just got back from a week in, uh, in Chicago uh, for the day job, and... Uh, and then in, a, in a, about another week, I leave for, I'm, well, actually, no, where am I going next? I'm going to Phoenix next. And then after that, I get my turn in, uh, in Las Vegas. So uh, um, there's a lot of travel going on right now. And, you uh, can do the gambling for them that Jack, Jeb and I didn't do. You know, not unlike Jeb, I, the gambling has kind of faded as, as, as the years have gone on. I, I might weaken and do a couple of uh, 25-cent video poker machines, but that's usually my limit. Um, but... Uh, Anyways, those things, keep, on. those things are, uh, all those other things are keeping If me I waste it all now on video poker, I won't have any left to buy motorcycle parts in my retirement. Yeah, really, <laughs> really. Uh, <laughs> online, you can find me in all the, uh, the uh, usual places. Uh, most places you can find me uh, by way of the username Jack Hodgson, my first name and last name just bumped together. For example, youtube.com slash Jack Hodgson, twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon, Jack Hodgson. Um, on Amazon, uh, you can find my ebooks by searching um, for Around the Field in the book section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, you can support this podcast uh, by becoming a patron for as little as $1 per episode, uh, and also reward-level patrons uh, get exclusive access to the UCAP After Show, which we're just about to record. It's all the cool, I don't know, maybe it's not the cool stuff, but it's more stuff. Um, and uh, you can get information about all of this stuff at uh, patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace. You can send us email at uh, podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. You can check out the latest UCAP news and all the UCAP show notes at the UCAP homepage, uncontrolledairspace.com. Follow UCAP on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Oh, yeah. The best way to have fun, live long like the three of us is to spend a little time in the cockpit above the ground. Because as we've said before, and we'll say again, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Ooh, you know, uh, we really think about a wine club. <laughs> talk about talk about a flashback yeah.